There is no question about it. You can take this fact to the bank every single day and it's gonna cash. There was an ice age. Now the bigger question is, when was it? Another question, how many of them have there been? And does the evidence corroborate, corroborate, that word, with a biblical history, or is it a problem for the biblical timeline? We're gonna give you those answers today. I want to welcome those of you joining me by YouTube and Facebook and Instagram, Twitter, and of course, our podcast listeners. My name is Eric Hoven. I'm the president of Creation Today, and we're just a community of people that are trying to change the world one person at a time through biblical discipleship. And we want to help turn stumbling blocks into stepping stones on people's journey to Christ. I, I have a giveaway for you guys today, and you could be the winner, so stay tuned for that. I'll tell you about that in just a second. By the way, I saw Anna tagged at Creation Today with, with her post on Instagram this last week while she was watching the show with Danny Faulkner and myself, and I just think that's really cool. We, we love it when people tag us, uh, when you guys tag us in your post, um, so feel free to give us a follow on Instagram to keep up with up to date with our webinars and we do lots of cool t content like trivia and giveaways uh, and more. So love it when you guys do that. Special thank you to a couple partners that are uh, partners with Creation Today. Shout out to Leslie in California, Peter in the Czech Republic, and Olin who is actually deployed with our armed services. Thank you for serving us. We really appreciate it and thank you for being a partner with Creation Today. By the way, many of our show topics uh, like this one on the Ice Age and uh, people that we can use as guests, those come from viewers just like you. So if you have an idea for a topic or an idea for a guest or both, feel free to leave a comment or just go ahead and send me an email, erichovend at creationtoday.org. Would love to know who you would like to have. Hey, my guest today is none other than Dr. Michael Ord. He spent 30 years as a meteorologist studying researching. He knows a lot about weather. He could probably identify any cloud in the sky, those things that you had to study in high school, you know, the stratus and the cumulus yeah. and the... I'm sure he would... I was going to have a little quiz for you, Doc, and try to stump you, but I doubt those are going to stump you. Welcome to today's show, sir. We really appreciate you being here. Hey, welcome. Glad to be uh, there or here. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we're going to talk about the biblical ice age or the ice age in general and find out if it was biblical. You're going to have, by the end of this, you're going to have an answer for us, right? Oh, I should. <laughs> that's what I'm hoping I'm going. For 40, 45 years. Wow. That's amazing. After 45 years of study, you, you've got it figured out. Well, hopefully in just less than an hour, we're going to have this figured out. By the way, I want to give away a book to somebody. Um, we try to do this each show, Doc, and just share something with the community. Uh, the book we're doing today, it's an ebook called Frozen in Time. And so uh, if you want a copy of this book, Frozen in Time, uh, I need you to, um, well, they already got it. Uh, I don't get to ask you what to do. I want you to put in the comments just right, I want that book and tag onto that your favorite Christmas song. And if you're a, if you're a 
not a Christmas lover, you can just put no Christmas songs for me. I doubt the girls in the office are going to pick you. If you put that, you might want to just make one up. But they're over there. They're going to find out if they like you by what song you put. So write, I want that book and your favorite Christmas song. And we'll tell you who the winner is here in just a few minutes. You guys get those in the chat right now. Well, Doc, um, I, I want to find out if science confirms just an ice age in general. Then I want to find out what's necessary in science to to create an ice age and how many different models there are for the ice age and what are the problems with it. And then I want to find out if the Bible is a good solution for the ice age. So let's start off with what's the science behind the idea that there was an ice age. I mean, I've seen the movies about it. I want to know if the squirrel ever gets the nuts, all that stuff. Okay. (laughs) What's the deal with the ice age? Well, What ice left behind, which we can infer from presently glaciated areas, are found all over the high latitudes and in some locations in the mid-latitudes, like the northern United States, down to um, Kansas City, um, uh, St. Louis line, even though there's not a lot of good evidence down that far. It's more further up in Minnesota, but you can see this evidence, and we have... um, Lots of uh, end moraines, which are ridges in front of uh, glaciers, where the glacier pushed ahead and melted and left a ridge of debris in the, in the front of it called an end or terminal moraine. And along the sides, it's a lateral moraine. Uh, and so we see that and a lot of scratch bedrock and features like this. And so it's an inference that we that there was an ice age. And the fact that the, the striated bedrock is is not weathered out by erosion indicates that the ice age was not that long ago. Um, So that's our evidence for an ice age. And you know, when that was first started in the middle 1800s, it was a challenge to uniformitarianism because we didn't have ice sheets over North America or Scandinavia into uh, Northern Europe and Northwest Asia. Uh, So Lyle never accepted it. And um, it was a, it was a it was a, an assault on uniformitarianism right away. But the evidence was so abundant, thousands of pieces, that the scientific community had to accept it. But it took about thirty years. It's an interesting history. But now, anyway, when, that's the evidence for the Ice Age. When you mention Lyle, you're talking about uh, Charles Lyle. Yes, the one who really helped come up with. The Geologic Column, uh, his book, Principles of Geology. Yes. So at that time, because an ice age was a problem for his views, he rejected the ice age. Yes, he never did accept it. Uh, I think Darwin did later, but because um, Darwin essentially was a student of Lyell. Right. And um, uh, he, d- he finally did, even though he, <laughs> he wrote some papers uh, based on Lyle's ideas that were totally wrong. <laughs> um, the parallel roads of uh, Glen Roy in Scotland, he thought were um, raised uh, sea level about 800 feet or meters, I forgot. But actually they were shorelines from a, a glacial lake. <laughs> so wow. anyway, one of his first papers of Darwin was totally wrong. I mean, he was a geologist before he was a, a biologist. So it's a good thing to remember. So... The evidence we see today shows little sheets of ice all the way down into North America. Yes. 
all the way down into the United States, North America. Yes, yes, the northern United States, um, from uh, Olympia, Washington, to Great Falls, Montana, eastward into North Dakota, then south, east from there, and back up into Pennsylvania. Wow. Oh, look at those scratch marks. That's fun. Look at that. That's uh, west of Great Falls, Montana, and the Rocky Mountain front. That's the northeast Wallawa Mountains and northeast Oregon, and this is a... Glacial, uh, this is the Wallawa Lake, overdeepened, and you see, though, that horseshoe moraine around the edge. So those and, sides um, right there, wow. And look, how it's fairly sharp still, and here it is looking at the bottom, and the trees are scaled. That's 600 feet tall, indicating that ice in that valley was probably 2,500 feet. And the material in the moraine is typical of uh, glacial material with boulders and rocks of all sizes in a finer grain matrix. So and we have these er big erratic boulders uh, transported, like this is southwest of Calgary, Alberta, uh, probably from a glacial river carrying an iceberg. So we have a ton of evidence for the ice. And so um, and that one boulder, age. That one boulder weighs more than a ton. So we have tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of evidence. That no probably weighs uh, 200 thousand tons i'll bet oh my goodness so and, oh, go ahead and i have one here that weighs maybe 180 tons and it's argillite which does not crop in the whole state of oregon but it's found southwest of portland oregon and this is from the lake missoula flood which uh, here's a map of the glacial lake missoula here backed up by a finger of the ice in northern idaho this lake was 2,000 feet deep at the montana idaho border and then it broke all at once and carved up Eastern Washington and sent these icebergs all over Eastern Washington and down in the Willamette Valley, south of Portland. And that's how we explain that, that metamorphic sand, uh, shale, argillite boulder that actually outcrops in this area up in here in Western Montana, Northern Idaho. So there was an so ice age, that's the point. How many miles away is that when you go, okay, that, that boulder that you just showed, that rock doesn't exist around there. It actually exists. That rock is how far away? How far did it have to come from? Yeah, that type of rock doesn't outcrop in all of Oregon. And it's probably transported um, 500 miles, 600 miles. Oh. So icebergs, there's all kinds of these erratic boulders all through the Willamette Valley, hundreds of them. They're mostly granite. But in this case, it's it's a, a metamorphic shale called argillite, which is a very unique rock that comes from the Belt Supergroup rocks of western Montana, northern Idaho, and extreme northeast Washington. So the point of all this is that there was an ice age. Well, what does it take? To, I want to find out what does it take to get an ice age? What do you need? And then what are the secular models versus the biblical model? Let's start with what in the world does it take to actually have an ice age to create one of these things around the globe? First of all, here's where we, it, it's found. I'll oh get to that. Goodness. And notice that the lowlands of Alaska were not glaciated, but, the, but only the mountains. And here's an area right in here that was never glaciated well within the boundary. And this is the general location in Europe and Asia, but this is an old, uh, and there's been controversy on how much is glaciated in northwest Siberia, and the Barents Sea north of Norway now we know is glaciated. So what are the conditions for an ice age? Oh. There they are. 
You need cooler cool summers. summers. Winters are already cold enough in, in, in practically all areas. In fact, they're so cold that because the drier, the, the colder the air, the drier, all these areas that are cold in winter are, would benefit from a warmer winter, which they would have had in this model. But you need cooler summers so that the snow won't melt over the summer. And so it could pile up year after year. But you also need much greater snowfall, um, which means huge amount of, of moisture from somewhere. And you can't just get a climate change for one year. It has to persist for many years. So that's the requirements for, for an ice age. And, All you homeschoolers, uh, you homeschoolers, write those down. Those are going to be on your test. I'm writing them down in my notes right now. <laughs> so cooler summers, a lot more snowfall. And this has to be over an extended, like how many years? I mean, are we talking a couple of years would create it or you need, you need decades of to create years. it? Uh, the secular scientists based their ideas on millions of years and um, on assumptions and the astronomical theory, the ice age or the Milankovitch mechanism, which they love because it cycles the solar radiation over the earth. But, but, because of the tilt of the earth a little bit, uh, the eccentricity of their orbit around the sun changes a little, um, and the precession of the equinoxes. But the net effect of all this radiation change is very small. And this theory has been around since the middle 1800s. And meteorologists have said a number of times it's too weak. And I've shown this in some of my publications, it's too weak. Because if you find, if you realize how much cooling you need and how much snowfall, you would really realize that. And I can go to the next slide that shows this. Hmm. This is just a computer model where a, a man just, uh, he wanted to find out where the one inch line was left after the summer melting in the early fall. And so he cooled off the average summer temperatures of Canada by increments of two degrees centigrade, which is three degrees Fahrenheit. And his one inch line, you could see is only in Northeast Canada right there. When he cooled the temperature, the average summer temperature of Canada down 12 degrees centigrade. That's where he got it. But you know, the ice was further south of the Great Lakes. Yeah. So I used a, a what, what kind of, what would it take to get it to Minneapolis for instance, which is typical of the, the, the Northern edge of the ice sheet in the United States. The average temperature is 70 degrees, but you've got to drop the temperature in the summer, as well as the late spring and early fall, of course, down to at least 32 degrees. But we know people that live in, in northern climates like I do know that snow can melt in the spring with a lot of sunshine at well below freezing starts melting. So I went to the lowlands of Antarctica to a research paper in quaternary research and the net melting as the temperature warmed in the spring in Antarctica at the lowlands, when it hit 14 degrees Fahrenheit, you had net melting in Antarctica. So that would be the case for Minneapolis, but I decided to be conservative and only said it had to cool down to 20 degrees Fahrenheit. And th so that's a drop of 50 degrees Fahrenheit. You, so average average summer temperature temperatures, drop. you're talking average summer temperatures have yes. to be 50 degrees cooler Yes. Then they are. So Florida. At least. Whoa. That's that's a huge drop. How in the world do you get the that's global cooling right there? How do you create global cooling like that? I mean, well, this, you, 
you see that because they, they assume uniformitarianism, the present, the key to the past, there isn't much in the present that's going to cause a climate change like that. So they kind of fudge a little bit and go to the past and use the astronomical theory of the ice age with these cycles, like the tilt cycle varies from 22 and a half degrees to 24 and a half degrees over a period of 41,000 years. And so they use these things. And by the way, it gives them multiple ice ages, which they love. And that's the only a, a point of them having it is because uh, uh, their only supposed evidence is, is this astronomical theory that cycles over millions of years with these cycles. And so um, they use that, but like I said, they're very small. In fact, experts on the ice age will admit like, that this is one of my favorite quotes from this old book, but it's still, I get quotes like this that are very recent in the scientific literature. J.K. Charlesworth in the book, The Quaternary Era on page 1,532 is a 1,700-page book. He wow. said, Pleistocene phenomena, Pleistocene is the jargon for an ice age, same with quaternary. They're uh, generally the general ice age period in the, in the uniformitarian model. Pleistocene phenomena produce an absolute riot of theories ranging from the remotely possible to the mutually contradictory and the palpably inadequate. And I might add, there's been 60 theories on the origin of the ice age, but they've settled in the last 50 years on the astronomical theory, which I've quickly uh, gone through for you. But the upshot of that is it's very small. So, so they can't they get settle on this. You said they do settle on wonder, the, the, um, the, the one going through the cycles, how the, the tilts of the earth, the astronomical ice age, but that one has yes. its own, its own, it's got, it's a very narrow chance of that actually being true, but they're kind of settling on that. Um, yes, because uh, number one, they like cycles and a gizm cycle, so they can talk about multiple ice ages. But the change in solar radiation is very slight. And uh, John Reed and I just published a series of papers on this in the Creation Research Society Quarterly, demonstrating that these uh, cycles, of which the tilde is just one of three, are very weak. And they're not going to produce these ice ages because you need these huge temperature changes. Yeah, so that that degree of tilt difference is not going to give you a fifty degree temperature no. difference in the no. summer, right? For the whole summer, year after and year, not yeah, not just one summer, extended periods of summer for a long time, right? Ah, oh, well, I want to find out. I want to hear. I've got to let I've got to let the people on social media go here in just a second. I want to give away the book. I got to let them go. But before I do, can you? Can you answer the question that's on your screen right now with just a yes or a no, and then give the explanation after I let them go? Yes, yes. or no, can the biblical worldview actually explain, I mean, the idea of the flood, because we don't read, you know, Genesis chapter, you know, 12, and, you know, it, the world was flooded, and then God caused a great sheet of ice to come upon the earth. Exactly. I mean, we're not seeing that, but do you think the evidence we see goes with the biblical history and biblical timeline? Or oh, against yeah, I think it's the... The Bible is the only explanation, which is a, a provocative idea. But 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 I'll, I'll, after you give away that, I'll, I will I'll tell you about it. Okay, I wanna I wanna talk about that here in just a second. Um, hey, uh, for those of you joining me on social media, thank you. Several of you have commented. Uh, our creation today member winner for the the book is Lucy Hayes. Lucy, thanks for joining us today. 
uh, on the Genesis Facebook page, watching on Facebook, Victoria Wester, you are the winner. Please email us at info at creationtoday.org, info at creationtoday.org. I think I got that right. Um, and you're getting the book Frozen in Time. And let's see here on YouTube, the Granola Creationist. You sound like an outdoor hiker. The Granola Creationist. I hope you put M&Ms and raisins in your in your granola. Uh, you are the winner on so on uh, on YouTube, and I want to thank you guys for joining me. Hey, if you want to join a community of people that are growing and doing discipleship together, let me invite you to become a Creation Today member or partner with us at creationtoday.org. By the way, just a little side note: if we get eight more partners in the next three days. I have promised my team a steak dinner. I've got to cook them a steak dinner uh, if we get eight more partners. So if you think that they are worthy with everything they do, which they're behind the scenes a lot of times, I know it, but everything we do is out there. If you think they're worthy of a steak dinner, well, then you become a partner today and our partners enjoy, you know, not really just the, the rest of this conversation, but every conversation we have and they get to ask our experts their own questions and in the second half. So, uh, so would you consider that? You now, by the way, have less than 24 days to make an impact in 2021. And we would consider it an honor if you would prayerfully consider a partnership with Creation Today in your plans to make an eternal impact with the time that we have left. Next week, uh, I'm going to give you a sneak peek inside the Atheist Playbook. That should be a fantastic conversation. You don't want to miss that. It'll be live next Wednesday at 12 noon Central Time. Thanks for joining us, guys.